Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. Be helpful if you could hear exactly what she told all of us, denouncing QAnon. I don't know if I say it right. I don't even know what it is. Um, any from the shootings. She said she knew nothing about lasers or all the different things that have been brought up about her. Um, and so from that perspective, she's now a member. If, if we are now going to start judging what other members have said before they're even members of Congress, I think it's going to be a hard time for the Democrats to place anybody on committee. Now that's you're right there, Darrell, and thanks for keeping my mic open. And, hey, good day, everybody. Oh, now, wait a minute. Who is that talking? That's ex- Is that uh, McCarthy? That is Kevin McCarthy. You know, you know let, uh, we, these folks must think that most of us are really stupid. So now listen to this. Listen to what he just said. Listen with the third ear. I always tell you, right, what a, an old politician told me when in, in Detroit, when I lived in Detroit. Listen with the third ear. Read with the third eye. And um, now listen to what he said. Do, 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 me, do me a favor, Daryl. Uh, just start that that audio. What what clip was that? Did we number these clips? Uh, what clip was it? That number one. Uh, play play that clip again. Now this is the head of the Republican Party in Congress defending Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now listen carefully. Uh, clip one, Daryl. I think it would be helpful if you could hear exactly what she told all of us, denouncing QAnon. I don't know if I say it right. I don't even know what it is. Um, oh, please. Any from the shootings. She said she knew nothing about lasers or all the different things that have been brought up about her. Um, and so from that perspective, she's now a member. If, if we are now, now going to stop, start- stop right there. Stop right there. First of all, you believe him? That he doesn't know QAnon. I I don't know if that, I really don't know. You're not, wait a minute. My grandchild knows what QAnon is. (laughs) Let's just just be honest. That's number one. Number two, uh, if you would have heard her denounce this, denounce that. Well, wait a minute. Then why doesn't she do it publicly? And I'll tell you why. We won't, because nobody's going to believe her. You, you, if she were in a court of law, let's say Judge Mathis's courtroom, or Judge Judy, you, for years, talked about and promoted all of this crap. All of these conspiracy theories that were on QAnon. And not one time until you got in trouble is did you have any public statement of contrition. Not one time. Now you're in trouble. Now you may be stripped of committee assignments and then you get behind closed doors and say, oh, uh, well, I didn't, I didn't know about these things. Uh, I, I, I denounce these things. And then the leader of the Republican Party 
comes outside to face the media, us, and says, well, if you had heard her, then I would say to Congressman McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, then why didn't she walk out with you? Why didn't she walk out with you and stand in front of those same microphones and let her say it? Joe, yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah Sam. I, I had the same reaction when I heard that. And by the way, there's such a thing as video, as audio. Well, but, 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 yeah, but hold on. Not in closed-door caucus meetings. That, that, that's a no-no. That, that is a no-no, because that, those are, and that's the point. They're private, closed-door meetings. So, so that you would not, you're not allowed to have any of those uh, meetings recorded. But nothing to stop doing exactly what you said. He walk out with her, stand at the microphone, as many of them do, and make a statement. And gave her what he did was give her cover. Gave her a pass. And then, yes. but what? It, what I tell you, what should insult you is for this congressman, this man in leadership position, actually say to us, "Well, if you would have heard her." As and and. Anyway, uh, and Kevin McCarthy, I didn't know what QAnon was, but he denounced it. He denounced QAnon months ago. Thank you. But now he doesn't know who they are. Wait a minute. So he denounced. <laughs> listen, listen to what Sherry just said, everybody. Months ago, he denounced it. Now he co- now wait a minute. So then, oh, oh, go back, <laughs> Daryl. Go back to the point where he says, I, I don't, "Acts like he can't pronounce it." Isn't he the same congressman that couldn't pronounce uh, Kamala? Kamala. I do you believe. Know, let, let, go, go, go ahead, Daryl. Play, just play that part. I want people to, I know it's early, but I want people to hear this. Listen, go ahead, Daryl. You could hear exactly what she told all of us. Denouncing QAnon. I don't know if I say it right. I don't even know what it is. Um, you, any from liar. The you liar. <laughs> you liar. You liar. Just roll <laughs> off of his tongue and lips I don't, like there's nothing to I don't even know it. what it is. But months ago, you're, wait a minute, you are on tape, video. It is out there, denouncing. <laughs> well, let me be very clear. There is no place for QAnon in the Republican Party. I do not support it. And the, the, the candidate you talked about has denounced it. Hey, 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 what did I tell y'all? What did I tell this audience? Uh, Do not trust these Republicans in Congress. Don't trust them. Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, all of you uh, in leadership position, if you've got to go it alone, go it alone. Do not trust them. He just lied. He just lied. Um, But I also want to be clear.
clear that there is increasing uh, data to suggest that schools can safely reopen and that that safe reopening does not um, uh, suggest that teachers need to be vaccinated in order to reopen safely. So while we are implementing um, the criteria of the advisory committee and of the state and local um, guidances to get uh, vaccination across these eligible uh, communities, I would also say that um, safe reopening of schools is not, um, that vaccination of teachers is not a prerequisite for safe reopening of schools. Now, that's the CDC director, uh, Sam, that you found that uh, clip? Yes, that is correct. Her name's Rochelle Walensky. That's I, the director know, I, of the CDC. I, 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 disagree. I, dis- I don't know. I disagree. And Mackenzie, our intern, you were saying during the break uh, that you, you brought up another issue. Yes. So... I brought up the question of, you know, what about teachers that are afraid to take the vaccine, Um, especially in the black and brown communities? There's been a lot of mistrust with the Western medicine system and vaccines and things. So what would their situation be? My response would be then they shouldn't be allowed in the building. I I mean, and and, because it. You know, I and again, I understand this yeah. this distrust mm-hmm. because of the history. Right. But one of the response there. that I have always said is this is not 1930 Tuskegee. Um, and and I just I just think that there's no proof, at least none that I've heard. That, that this vaccine has been detrimental to the black and brown communities. Right, but honestly, not even just that, but, you know, like people like myself, I practice holistic health, so I don't even take medicine, period. And when I okay, did, so, day, know, it didn't work yeah. on me. So Then, then the question like is, then the question is, should should you be allowed to um to be you be allowed to teach see that would be that's the that's the question have you had other vaccinations as a child childhood you've attended school where we required to have vaccinations to go to school um, things like that i was always um exempt my parents had me exempt i've had a couple but not most no and the last time i did try to get one as an adult um, I think I got the first dose of the vaccine and I got very, very sick and my body was aching and it was not good. So, so the, uh, go ahead, sure. Yeah. Well, that, that is what's supposed to happen with a vaccine. You, you feel some side effects, yes. but it prevents the disease itself. But, but she, but Mackenzie says she got very, very sick. It wasn't just a question of side effects. Listen closely right. to what she said. She I think said one of very the, sick. I think one of the issues that we're dealing with is that this is a new vaccine. It's new, right. and it's evolving, our experience with it. That can lead to people being hesitant 
to take a new vaccine while it's the studies are more brief it, the vaccine mm-hmm. is coming out uh, uh, more readily than it has in vaccines before so there's a lot of unknowns as far as this is concerned and i think we right, need but- to be sensitive to that but i will also say that i think we also need to be sensitive to people not wanting to um, go in the classrooms, and what do you do with those teachers who have those concerns? My feeling is you can find something else for them to do. Okay, now let me ask this question. If, and this is a if, big if, what if the person like, like you know, Mac- McKenzie or anybody, I, so I don't want to put her on the spot, but let's say you contracted COVID, mm-hmm. would you then say, wow, I should have taken the vaccine? Possibly. Now I'm asking Mackenzie. So. Well, <laughs> I did have it. Um, I had you it did? Before. I did. I had. It. I oh. was in Italy the weekend that it broke out. So wow. I got it the next day. Uh, that was almost a year ago. It was in February. But yeah. ever since then, I've been... Yeah, I but you fine. so you you may have antibodies then. Right, right. So 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 in 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 one sense you survived. You didn't I mean, did you, you did you end you didn't end up in the hospital, did you? No, I didn't. I was yeah. living in Morocco at the time, so even if I did, I wouldn't have been it would have been a mess if I got too sick. But I was sick. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I've ever since then I've been working to build my immunity, you know, implementing yeah, different yeah. things in my diet. Um, so yeah, I exactly. haven't gotten six cents, not yeah. once. Okay, uh, let's go to Cynthia, first time caller from uh, uh, from Ohio. Go ahead, Cynthia. Hi. So I was just calling to um, in regards to your conversation about teachers being vaccinated mm-hmm. and I'm in Ohio and I received a vaccination yesterday. Um, and it was set up so that in Ohio, the governor has arranged it that any school districts that were having any part of in-person learning, those mm-hmm. teachers and educators could get vaccinated. So they set it up and all this week, everyone's getting vaccinated. And then in three weeks when I went in, they gave me a card. I'm set up for my next vaccination. It makes all the sense in the world. That makes all this. And so now when now when the students come into the classroom, I mean, you still have to deal with protocol. I mean, there's no question. I, I think, you know, but 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 at least uh, there there is you're protected. Let's hope that, and, and that you're also protected from this uh, this uh, South African mutation mm-hmm. that, that's coming through. But. That it just makes sense. It makes plenty sense because, like somebody said, you don't know where these children have been. You don't know what's happening at their house, uh, you know, in their neighborhoods or with their parents. Uh, and 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 by the way, it does solve the issue of getting children back into the classroom. Um, and and that, and the, by the way. The the relief budget that one point nine it does just what they're doing in Ohio, and that is get you teachers vaccinated, get it started, 
And now, where did you have to go to get vaccinated? Did you have to go somewhere else, or did they do it at the school? No, they had they had two different schools that had really large, like um, sports facility areas. Yes, so right. on two different sides of town, and right. you could choose which one you wanted to go to. So in you two go. different districts, and there you, you signed up online. They told you when to go. You get your card. You go. There you go. That was it. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, you're it. You're welcome. Um, Kevin from Mississippi. Hey, Kevin, you're on with Madison. Good morning. Kevin? Good morning. And again, everybody, please listen. You know, try to keep that radio, you know, listen on, not the radio, because there's a delay. Uh, and after Kevin will be Hudson from Florida. Go ahead, Kevin. Okay, good morning. I'm a teacher in Mississippi, and I was thinking the same thing, that we should have been right along with first responders and everybody else, you know, with getting the vaccine. We've had problems within our schools where a lot of our students have uh, have contracted it, and I've had to take like a week off because of uh, I was in close contact with somebody that had the virus, and We've been pretty much working with skeleton crews because of uh, a lot of uh, a large number of teachers have uh, have contracted the virus, and um, I think it does a disservice to the to the kids because we haven't had enough subs to make up for the amount of teachers that have had to miss days as well as students. Okay, Hudson from Florida, you're next. Uh, Thirty-seven after the hour. Go ahead, Hudson. Good morning, Mr. Madison. Good morning. How you doing? Okay, sir. Go right ahead. Right. I, I called you a few years ago, but I just want to let you know that I really, really appreciate in the morning this lecture class that you give us, and it's free. And <laughs> that, I, well, I, yeah, subscription, I, right, but yeah. I, it's, I, it's, I, it's, I recall yeah. when I was in anatomy and physiology class, and I was having major problems. And my, I had my brother come to class with me. He said, the first thing you do is bring your tape recorder. And after you finish, you listen to your class. And that's what I do with yours. After, mm. after, you, after you say something, I go back and I rewind. You know, and then also what I do is every time I listen to you, I, I pinpoint something that's so important to me. One of the things you said a few lectures ago, Mr. Madison, you said the hottest place in hell are reserved for those who are lukewarm. And then another quote you said, well, got, I got you. I, you and, and the quote was from Dante, that Dante. the hottest places in hell are reserved for those who maintain a position of neutrality during a moral crisis. Uh, your, but your bottom line, your, your point is, bottom line in is reference that, to our conversation, is... I just, I just want to say, brother, I thank you every morning for this class that you give us. Well, I pre- and I appreciate it. And by the way... Don't <clears throat> now that we have on demand, man, it's so easy. You can literally, uh, hey, hey, uh, hey, Sam, are you, are you Sam's taking calls? I think, but go on yeah, demand. Yeah, you want to ex- Hudson explain to him how on demand works? The app, right? yeah, on the, the SiriusXM app. You just you go to any any smart device, your iPad or your cell phone. You download the SiriusXM app. And then you can listen to our show, the whole show, Joe Madison show, um, anytime. You just search Joe Madison. And then there's also the podcast, 
where we're posting all the highlights, the best interviews, most interesting conversations or calls. And that goes back, you know, ever since we started the podcast. And, and all right. Madison, thank you. Mr. Madison? Yes, please. Go ahead. One more thing is that there are places, there are some places in these neighborhoods that you think you're not being reached. But some places that I go to, because I came from both sides of the world, there are brothers out there listen to you, and they call you Minister Madison in the morning, brother. So I'm well, I you appreciate know, you're reaching, you're reaching all, right. all over the world. Thank you. I hope so. few minutes we have. Uh, Cheryl Lynn Eiffel is the president and director counsel of the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund. And again, as as my audience knows, um, and I've said this again, there is a difference between the NAACP, when I, I was board of directors I sat on for 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 uh, uh, quite a while, and the the legal defense fund and attorney Eiffel, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us, and and I hope you're safe and and healthy. I am. Thank you for having me on. Let's talk about this forty million dollar gift. What will ex- what will be done with with this significant uh, gift? Uh, to create what has been called the Marshall Motley Scholars Program. Yeah, thank you, Joe. It's so exciting. It is um, an opportunity for us to really invest uh, in in the development of civil rights lawyers, and particularly civil rights lawyers who are committed to working in the South. Uh, in many ways, it harkens back to a program that LDS began uh, the Legal Defense Fund began in, in the 1960s and continued on for some time um, of supporting the creation of new black law firms in the South. Um, and, and we did this in a number of states. We had a little fellowship program. In fact, one of our first fellows was Julius Chambers, uh, the great oh, North wow. Carolina civil rights right, attorney who became right. our third director counsel. He started out as a fellow, and when he then went back, he, a fellow at LDF, and when he went back to, then to North Carolina, um, we had a program um, that supported him, you know, helped him buy his law books and open his first office. And, you know, the law firm of uh, uh, Chambers and Ferguson became the first interracial law firm in the South. And we did this, did, did this in a number of states, in Arkansas, Florida, Virginia, uh, where we incubated and supported um, the, the development of black lawyers. So that was the old program. This is something new. This is really beginning the support in law school. Um, law school costs have grown exponentially, um, even just over the last 10 years. And so often you meet um, people who are lawyers, black men and women, and they will tell you that they wanted to be civil rights lawyers, but the, but the, the debt, the burden of the debt of law school drove them into private practice to try and pay down uh, their law school debt. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to find those young people who have a passion and commitment to working on racial justice issues, who are committed to working in the South. They don't have to be from the South, but they have to be prepared to make that commitment. And we will support them. We will pay all of their law school costs. Um, they will have training and fellowships with civil rights organizations and summer internships. 
a two-year fellowship after they graduate with uh, LDF or other national civil rights organizations, and then they make a commitment to work for eight years as civil rights lawyers in the South working on racial justice issues. Now, what, why the South? I'm, I'm, uh, hmm. Why do why mm-hmm. they, they focus on the South? Well, I should first say that, you know, uh, it, it has always been true and remains true that the vast majority of LDF uh, cases on litigation is based in the South. Um, I think people, you know, not your guests, but people, your, not your audience, but many people forget that a majority of black people in the United States still live in the South. 52% right. of black people live in the South. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and by the we, way, that, 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 I'm sorry, Attorney, and that number no. is increasing. I uh, mean, yeah. They, yes. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, uh, we have always believed that the full, you know, our work to achieve full citizenship and liberation for black people uh, is grounded in, 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 the, um, in the strength of, of that work in the South. Uh, the South also, you know, is at this time a period of tremendous mobilization and transformation, of political transformation and grassroots mobilization, and it's important to connect with that. Uh, and it so happens that not because of this program, we were doing it anyway, but we are actually opening a regional office in Atlanta uh, later this year uh, because we also feel the need that um, the need to connect more um, intentionally with uh, the local communities that we serve um, in, in throughout the South. So it's a logical place. Uh, it's also the place where, um, you know, as we can see, some of the most intransigent civil rights um, issues you know, are playing out every day, voter suppression, um, you know, criminal justice issues, economic inequality, um, education, educational inequality, uh, certainly true throughout the country, but often very stubborn in the South and often in, in um, states where the political leadership is resistant to um, any support that would um, improve the lives of black people. So it's the right place. And those are the communities that most need to have uh, lawyers who are there, who are locally based, um, who can help solve problems. Now, you you said that the, the money will help, the, the $40 million gift will help train, did I hear you say 50 new civil rights lawyers, and it, and this will start with uh, law students. Um, yeah. So are we talking about Freshmen, upper class, uh, uh, first year law students. We're talking about stu- first year law students. In fact, gotcha. um, the application process is open now. <laughs> okay. And um, and and people should go to the website Marshall Motley Scholars. Marshall Motley Scholars dot org. Uh, okay. You don't have a whole lot of time. Uh, applications are due this month. Um, and yes, it will be for students who are going to be first year students in the fall. We'll be selecting um, ten students every year four or five years. Um, and so that's the that's where the number 50 comes from. Um, and, um, and, and at the end of the program, it will be, there will be 50 students who have moved through, but they will have moved through law school into their fellowships, into their two-year civil rights fellowships, and then after that into their eight-year commitment um, working in the South. The fellowships will also be located at civil rights legal organizations' offices in the South. Now, what I it, 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 and I know the answer to this. It is it it is certainly open to uh, everyone, no, no matter what their race, creed, mm-hmm. color, gender. Yeah. Correct. 
that's correct. But of course, yeah. we, we don't apologize for quite intentionally um, wanting to make sure we, we know that the burden of law school debt, um, it is reported, f- falls most heavily on black students and lawyers of color. Um, and so we recognize that need. Uh, we also, you know, the most important thing is to have that commitment and connection to the South. Um, and that's something that we're looking for in oh, our applicants. Okay. And um, so yeah. we, they may not live in the South, you know, at the moment, but we're looking for someone, you know, we're looking for, for people who have uh, that, com- that commitment and that connection and, of course, a demonstrated connect, uh, commitment to working on issues of racial justice. Now, finally, um, and, and again, uh, I want to make sure people realize that $40 million will go a long way, but people can still contribute uh, to LDF, and if, can they add to this to the uh, uh, um, Marshall Motley Scholarship Pro- Scholars Program? Yes, they can. And, um, you know, listen, our hope is we can keep it going. You know, right now yes. we can do it for five years. Right, so, yes, right. if you go to the website, you'll find out how you can um, contribute as well. Uh, and, you know, I, we just think that this priming this pipeline, I think as we can all see over the past, um, certainly over the past four years, I mean, certainly before, but most intensely over the past four years, the work is far from over. And I describe this program as making sure that we will have troops in the future to continue the battle. Um, the, the battle is for the full citizenship and dignity of black people in this country, as promised by the 14th Amendment. And, um, and, and that work continues and, in fact, intensifies. And for people who may not recognize the name Motley, um, <laughs> uh, let me, because Thurgood Marshall, clearly, uh, but... Um, I had the distinct pleasure of, of, of meeting Justice Motley, but what a what an individual, what an amazing individual. But yeah, it was clear that the program should be named for these two iconic figures. Thurgood Marshall is LDS founder, a great pioneering civil rights lawyer, the most consequential lawyer of the 20th century, who became the first black Supreme Court justice. Uh, Judge Motley, um, you know, consequential in her own right, uh, legal defense fund lawyer hired by Thurgood Marshall, uh, worked on Brown, but most importantly litigated, uh, you know, most of the, the critical cases desegregating universities in the South. She represented James Meredith in the case uh, desegregating Old Miss. She represented Charlene Hunter Galt in the case desegregating University of Georgia. That was Constance Baker Motley. Uh, she later went on to become the first black woman Manhattan borough president. She was an assemblywoman in the state of New York and then became the first black woman appointed to the federal bench in the Southern District of New York. An absolute uh, trailblazer, an extraordinary, extraordinary figure in civil rights uh, and in law. And the program being named after these two individuals is meant to suggest several things. Uh, The most important thing it's it's meant to suggest uh, is, first of all, to hold up these iconic leaders as examples and and, and figures that, that one can aspire to and emulate, but also to emphasize that, that excellence is a key part of this program. Um, I just want to keep it real. It's wonderful if you have passion, but you have to be excellent. These you are lawyers who uh, were yeah. excellent in law school, excellent yes. litigators, studied, prepared, um, and, and were leaders in their field. And so that's what we're looking for as well. The, the, the students we pick for this program will have a demonstrated record of excellence and potential for excellence in the field. Yeah. 
Yeah, scholarship is extremely important in yeah. in in this case. Uh, finally, give people, as you say, the, you know, it, it, it mm-hmm. applications are big, except you don't have a lot of time. I suspect you're going to get flooded now that you're on the show. We're but... we're already we're already being flooded, but bring them on, bring them on. All right, <laughs> and give them give them the information. Give them the information once again where they Marshall, can apply. Marshall, the the website is marshallmotleyscholars.org. Marshallmotleyscholars.org, and Marshall is M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L, and Motley is M-O-T-L-E-Y. MarshallMotleyScholars.org. You can also go to the website of the Legal Defense Fund, which is www.naacpldf.org. As you point out, we're a separate organization from the NAACP. We're right. NAACPLDF for Legal Defense Fund.org, and you can find the information on our website as well. All right, well, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. And keep us posted. Uh, let us know I how will. it's working. Thank you. I will. Thanks so okay. much, Joe. Have a great day. You too, Attorney Eiffel. You can listen to yours truly, Madison the Black Eagle, live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.